Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What is up, Project Church? Thank you for tuning in online. Those of you on Facebook, YouTube, so good to see you. We miss you, and we cannot wait to be in person with you again. Those of you in the house, make some noise. We're so glad you're here. Uh, makes it a lot more enjoyable to have some of you here live than when we were just preaching to a camera, and uh, we can't wait to have everybody together, and we know God's in control, and it's coming very soon. So, as you just saw, we are kicking off an all-new series called Family Matters, and in this series, uh, we've really given it this theme verse of Psalm 68.6, which is, He sets the lonely in families. And so what we wanted to say to you today is this series isn't just about if you have a family, if you're married, if you have children. Um, This is a series for everyone because we're really going to look at the family of God and who we are. You see, God's family isn't biological or cultural. It's relational. The family of God is a relational family. It's about relationships. And so what we want to do in this series, I want to give you a little breakdown of what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks. Um, So starting today, this is week one, I'm going to be talking about leading spiritually. The title of my message is What Leading Looks Like. So that's week one, that's what we're talking about today. So if you're taking notes, write it down, What Leading Looks Like. Next week, Christy and I are going to tag team talking about communication. Um, How many know communication is a challenge in marriage, in relationships, but in general? And uh, Christy and I have had our moments where communication did not go so well. And so we're going to do our best to communicate on communication next week. So be there, jump in online, it's going to be great. Um, The two weeks after that, we're going to talk about healthy relationships. We're going to do healthy relationships part one and two. This is, again, for all different types of relationships. We're not just talking about marriage, um, dating, but it's, man, whether you're single, uh, in a relationship, just came out of a relationship, whatever it looks like, it'll be for you. And then week five, we're doing something we've never done. We're going to talk about legacy, and it is Youth Takeover Sunday. Come on. For the first time ever, the youth and young adults are taking over the service. Our youth pastor, Sam Fleury, is going to be bringing the word. Um, They're going to be a part of the whole day, youth and young adults. It's going to be incredible. So we're super excited, um, and that'll be week five. So this series is something we're very excited about as a church. I believe it's going to strengthen us in this season, to be the family of God that he's called us to be. And so I was thinking about uh, Disney Plus this week. How many are Disney Plus fans? So uh, I don't know, Mulan was I, I wasn't feeling it that much. But, but Disney Plus as a whole has brought a lot of joy to my life. And here's why, because I'm able to go back and watch all the shows that I grew up on. All right, I grew up on the Disney afternoon as a child. All right, I was watching, you know, Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, I mean, um, X-Men, right? It's on there, the cartoon from way back in the day. I grew up, and so uh, Disney Plus came out, and all these shows are on there. And so I'm like reliving my childhood, watching, re-watching all these shows. I even got my kids the other day to start watching Gummy Bears. Some of y'all don't remember Gummy Bears. This is like shows how old I am. Um, but man, Gummy Bears was where it was at. When I was a kid, my kids started watching it, and they liked it. Um, but I was thinking about a lot of these cartoons that we watch, a lot of the books that we read are always 
centered on like leadership. In fact, if you go back and watch all these cartoons, it's like people are leading well or they're leading unwell. They're leading in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. I was a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan as a kid. And that cartoon, Leonardo was my favorite. Why? Because he was the leader. And my brother, of course, his favorite was Raphael because my brother was the rebel. And Raphael was the rebel. He's like, actually, he leads in a different way, you know, like. And, and so, but everything in our world feels like it revolves around leadership. In fact, if you type into Amazon and you type in books on leadership, there are millions of options. A new leadership book comes out every single week, it feels like. And so what today I want to talk to you about is how and what leaders look like. And I'm talking about godly leaders, spiritual leaders, because I want to talk to you today about spiritual leadership. This world in this moment needs the family of God to lead spiritually in this climate. And I think that first of all, we have to learn to lead ourselves. You cannot lead others until you learn to lead yourself. But then secondly, we have to lead others knowing that it is a sobering, humbling thing. And so you better know where you're leading them to. And I think sometimes you're out there and people are watching online going, well, I'm not really that much of a leader. Listen, every one of us leads. People are looking at us. They're watching us. Um, they're following us. We may not even realize it at times, whether it's in relationships, friendships, at work, um, in our marriage, with our kids. As a father who has children, let me tell you, they watch everything you do. And there are people in your life that are watching what you do. And that's why the family of God has to lead spiritually in a healthy way in this moment. Because we're all leading. And let's be real, this has been a very difficult season, hasn't it? It's been a difficult season for all of us. And I know that how I live my life and how I lead has the potential to cause pain and or collateral damage. In fact, as a husband and a pastor, I know that one moment of weakness could undo a lifetime of faithfulness. And that's why I have to approach my leadership with humility, um, with a, a sobering mindset, a humble mindset, saying, God, like, one moment, one wrong choice could literally undo a lifetime of faithfulness. And God wants us to lead well. He wants you in this room online to lead well. And so today we're going to look at leading spiritually. And I know some of you are like, oh, you know, is this really going to be more about family? Listen, it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, if you have kids, if you're, if you're dating, if you're engaged. Man, we all need to lead spiritually in the family of God in this moment. Now, I was reading online. Let me just tell you, like, this has been a tough season for all of us. And I just saw online yesterday that dentists are coming out and saying that they've never seen so many issues with people's teeth as they have in this season. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, what? It's because we've fallen into some bad patterns, haven't we? Like, this season has made us fall into some very bad patterns. What they're saying is people are waking up in the morning, they're not getting ready for work. They just turn on the computer. They don't brush their teeth. 
They go all day. It's nighttime. I'll just wait before bed. And then maybe sometimes they even fall asleep and, and don't brush their teeth again. So let me just challenge you in this moment that y'all would brush your teeth, okay? Like, let's floss and let's brush. But these patterns are real. This season has brought out actually and, and re- released some poor patterns in our lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about what leading looks like. And I want to challenge us to start instituting some good patterns back in our lives as we lead the many people around us. So what does leading look like? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Let's read. We're going to read from Joshua chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, go there. I'd actually encourage you guys, if you're online or maybe you didn't bring your Bible, the YouVersion Bible app is great. Um, We actually always have our live notes on there, but not this week. But normally we do. Um, So Get the YouVersion Bible app. Normally, you can click events, and you'll see our live notes on there most weeks. All right, let's read Joshua chapter 24. So I'm going to start. I want to read starting in verse number 14. And let me just set the stage for this. Uh, So what's happened is the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. Moses says, you know, let my people go. They have a bunch of plagues, kind of like we're experiencing here in California right now. And uh, the, the... The Pharaoh finally lets them go. They get into the promised land, or they get into the wilderness, and they don't have faith that they can enter the promised land. And so they have to wait for 40 years. A whole generation dies off. And now, at the beginning of this book, of the book of Joshua, Moses has died, and Joshua leads the people of Israel into the promised land, into Canaan. And so they start going to the land of Israel, or the, the promised land, but there are a lot of other tribes and groups of people already there. And so throughout the book of Joshua, they're actually conquering and taking out cities. They're taking land. Um, They're overcoming the enemy. And little by little, they're inhabiting the land that God had promised to them. And now we come, this is the very end of the book of Joshua. And Joshua has been leading them. But he actually challenges them here in the patterns of their father, the patterns of their forefather. That's why I want to talk to you about patterns today too, because patterns can affect us either negatively or positively. If you wake up in the morning, like we normally do to go to work, we brush our teeth. First thing we do, we brush it before bed and then we're pretty good. But we're in a pattern of working from home. It's very easy to fall into a bad pattern of not taking care of ourselves the way we used to. The same way the people of Israel had fallen into the patterns, their fathers had fallen into patterns of worshiping other gods, other idols, the idols of Egypt. And Joshua calls them to a higher standard here. So let's read Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us up and our our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. 
And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. So Joshua says, serve the Lord. Don't worship the idols of your fathers. And they're like, yes, we're not going to. And then Joshua responds, I don't believe you. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no. They're like, Joshua's like, I don't believe you. They're like, no, really. But we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord to serve him, and they said, we are witnesses. There was a push a few years back by Nike, and there was this, uh, the, the whole theme of this marketing push was witness, right? And it was a picture of LeBron James. Or it was witness, and it was a pist- picture of, of Kobe Bryant. And it was this idea that we're just watching, right, to see what they're going to do. And here is something interesting that happens where Joshua actually sets them. He says, you are now going to be witnesses against yourselves. He said, you say you're going to do this. You're a witness against yourself. So what does leading look like? Number one, it is bringing others into an encounter with God. If we're going to be people, the family of God, right? This series about family matters. We're talking about the matters of our church, of our church family. And we're talking about the importance that you play, that you matter in the family of God. Every one of you. doesn't matter if you think you have a big role or a small role. You matter. You have a role to play. One way that we lead is we bring others into an encounter with God. And that's what Joshua does here. He actually challenges them. He says, listen, I've seen the patterns of your fathers, your forefathers, those that have gone before you, you worshiped idols, they worshiped idols, and I'm calling you to no longer do it. That you would no longer, that you would put away, it says, put away the idols of your fathers. And this idea that we bring others into an encounter with God is so important because your faith that you have, that you hold, your belief in Christ wasn't meant to just stay with you, wasn't it? It wasn't meant to just Staying, this is just my personal thing. This is just something that I do. No, we were meant to bring others to it. We were meant to bring others along with us. I was thinking about my wife and I, um, Chrissy and I, the first time we ever held hands. And uh, it was actually one of those, you know, incredible moments. She came to visit me in Massachusetts. We'd been doing the long-distance relationship thing. And she came out, and I still remember, we're sitting on the couch the first night, and we're watching X-Men, the first X-Men, um, with Hugh Jackman. And, uh, and, and we're watching the first X-Men, and, and we have a blanket on us. And I was like, this is the moment. I'm going for it. And I reached over, and I grabbed her hand, and I interlocked my fingers <laughs> with her fingers. Because this is when you know it's for real, all right? Like, it wasn't one of the, it was, we are interlocked. I reached over, I interlocked, and she took mine. And we held hands, and after like a minute, I was like, oh, snap. This chick's hands are so sweaty. (laughs) And it was at that moment that I knew I got her because she was nervous. I was like, oh, she likes me, right? But this was one of those moments 
because I was a good pastor and I was, I was G-rated, I, I let her know that I wanted to bring her along with me in relationship together by grabbing her hand. We got a little more PG-13 later, right, Chrissy? <laughs> like after we got married, guys, just chill. Um, but I interlocked my fingers to bring her along with me. It was this moment of this interlocking, me grabbing hand, was me saying, I want to be in a relationship with you. I'm not, t you know, this isn't me playing around. I wasn't going to hold her hand just because, oh, I want to test the waters. No, I went for that because I'm like, no, we are doing this, right? Like, I'm in this to win this. We're, we're taking this. Uh, this is our future. Like, that was literally what was going through my head. And I think in this moment, especially with everything the world is experiencing, I mean, you can just look out the window. We got red skies out here in Sacramento. With everything the world is experiencing, all the pain and struggle we're walking through in this moment, the uncertainty, the fear, the tension, the disunity, the world needs Christians to reach out and to interlock their hands with people that don't know them and say, there's a better way, there's hope, there's a future, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, Jesus has a plan for your life. Amen. We need to interlock our hands with the with the hands of this world, and bring them towards faith in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus and his life because his life was one that didn't switch into another mode based on the reality of the current situation. Jesus was the same when he was picking wheat with the disciples as he was when he was preaching in the synagogues. He was the same when they were grilling over the fire you know, under the stars at night, as he was when he was healing the lepers. Jesus brought God into every aspect of his life and his leadership. He always had God there. In the same way, we have to bring God, bring Jesus with us as leaders everywhere we go. At work, in our friendships, uh, you know, at home, with our kids, with our marriage, no matter where we are, we're bringing Jesus. Why? Because when we bring Jesus with us, we have the opportunity to bring people into an encounter with him. Michael Hyatt, who actually has a podcast and a blog, um, it's the number one blog actually on the internet. Um, he talks about how in every organization, there are spiritual leaders, and you should identify who they are. And he writes this to business leaders. He says, you want to identify who the spiritual leaders are because they have an ability to impact the people in your organization in a different way than you can. I believe that's who we should be. We should be the ones that our business are saying, man, there's something, they have a spiritual influence on them. They have a spiritual leadership on them. And we know, they don't have to know what it is. They, they tell us, oh, you got a great energy. We go, oh, thank you so much. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. We, we know what it is, and that influence influences people into an encounter with the God that they see makes us live different, think different, act different, talk different. We love different. We don't respond the way the world responds. The problem is for me is right now, and I'm guilty, is that I get sucked into responding the way the world responds. I'm guilty of getting pulled into conversations on politics and, and responding in a way that I don't believe Christ would respond. And in this moment, church, we have to rise above the noise 
and the disunity and, and, and the divisiveness. And we have to bring a spirit of love and hope and comfort in this season. So what does leading look like? First, we bring others into an encounter with God. Second is we hunger for the right things. There's a hunger for the right things. Joshua 24, 14, he's speaking to the Israelites. He says, put away the gods that your father served. He says, get rid of them, burn them, toss them to the side, put, it, put them away. These gods, these idols, these things that are not your one true God who you know you are to serve. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I want to ask you, what do you hunger and thirst for? Because I'll tell you what too many Christians and the world hungers and thirsts for. Money, possessions influence, fame, a career, a relationship, stuff, toys. This world, and often Christians get pulled into this, we hunger and thirst for the wrong things. But what does the Bible say here? What did Jesus say? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But catch the second part. It says, for they shall be filled. Everybody say filled. They shall be filled. Let me tell you what doesn't fill you. Money, possessions, fame, influence, a career, relationships, toys, stuff. None of those things will ever fill you. They'll never fulfill you, which is why people get those things and they need more. They go, if I could just have a million dollars, then I'd be satisfied. Every millionaire will tell you, I need another million. I need two more million. They're never satisfied. You say, if I could just get those new, you know, those new Yeezys, if I could just get those, then I'd be fulfilled. And you get them, and guess what happens? A month later, you need something else. You need something new. Because the things of this world do not fill you or fulfill you. But you know what does fill you? It says, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. The things of God are the only things that will fill your life, that will fulfill your life. So what I want to say to you today is you have to change your appetite. I have to change my appetite. So this last week, my wife had seen this clip on social media that uh, an influencer she follows posted, and it was this interaction with a husband and wife at a, a like diner table, and he was like, this is such incredible acting, and she watched it, and it was like, she showed me, I'm like, oh, wow, that was like really incredible acting, it was very emotional, and she's like, I want to watch this episode, and we found out that this show, which we had never seen before, um, every episode is a standalone episode. So it was like, oh, you could just go watch one episode and that's good. So I was like, great. Like, she want to watch it? Let's go watch it. So we put it on. Ten minutes into it, I said, I'm turning this off. And I turned it off. It was something about and, and what was happening that made me sick. It made me uncomfortable. It, it made me sick to my stomach. It didn't sit right with me, what I was watching, what was coming. Why? Because I do not have an appetite for junk. I don't have an appetite for that. And so when I tasted it, it actually tasted bitter in my mouth. It tasted disgusting in my mouth. 
I didn't want it. And I had to turn it off. I'm like, we can't watch. We didn't even get to the scene that she wanted to see. I'm like, that was good enough. You saw it on social media one minute. Had to shut up. Why? Because my appetite has been appropriated towards the right things. Not always. I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But often, and as a result, what was not of God, not wholesome, not life-giving, it tasted wrong in my mouth. And I think what's happened is so many of us, we have, like, a wrong appetite doesn't happen overnight. Like, you all have been on diets before, but you know when you started eating healthy, it was a slow progression. It was a process. And then eventually, all you craved was wrong things. In the same way, spiritually speaking, we have actually changed our appetites to enjoy and want the things of this world. And God is calling us right now. He's saying, no, it's time to hunger and thirst for righteousness and righteousness alone. Hunger and thirst for the things of me, not the things of this world. Why? Because it's only the things of me that will fill you. It's only the things of me that will bless you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. If you develop an appetite for the wrong things, the things of this world, you will walk through life unfulfilled, empty, and broken. So God is calling us right now that we would hunger for the right things. Listen, the season of playing nice church is over. I just want to tell you. And we've always done our best to bring the word, the truth, um, to talk about the hard things. But I feel like now more than ever, the season of Oh, give me a nice little message to pat me on the back and make me feel good for the week. And don't ruffle my feathers and don't say anything to make me uncomfortable is over. That church, I think, died six months ago. And I'm not talking about this church, not, not Project Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole in America. Now is a season where the church much, must rise to be who and what God originally intended it to be. And it is a set-alone church. It is a set-apart church. The Bible calls us to be a peculiar people. That means you don't fit in this world. You look different than this world. And it may mean you're uncomfortable, but it means you stand apart from what this world stands for. And now more than ever, the church and its biblical worldview is opposed to the worldview that this culture holds. And so it is time for us to choose. We're either in as God's people or we're out and we're taking the cultural worldview that has been given to us and pushed on us. It's time to choose. And that's why I'm calling you to the spirit to be the spiritual leaders God wants you to be because now is the time to choose and now more than ever the world needs us, the family of God to matter more than ever. It needs us the family of God to be more than ever who God intended us to be. This is what leadership looks like. We hunger for the right things. Third, what leadership looks like is we are changing the atmosphere. We change the atmosphere wherever we go. So Joshua 24, again, Joshua calls them and he says, set aside, lay aside all these idols that your fathers had before you. And then he goes on. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter what any of y'all do. It doesn't matter if you choose to keep your idols. It doesn't matter if you choose to continue 
to enjoy the things of this world. It doesn't matter if you continue to choose to be a casual Christian with one foot in with God and one foot in with the world. It doesn't matter if you're going to stay lukewarm. He says, it doesn't matter what you do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That must be the perspective of, of God's people and spiritual leaders. We say, I change the atmosphere by standing different and above and apart from this world. We lead by example. It's about what we do more than even what we say. Because here's what I see. I see, I mean, let's be real, right? In this moment, we have a lot of virtue signalers out there, okay? Y'all are too quiet about that. We got a lot of virtue signalers out there, a lot of virtue signaling happening out there. And I'm not against, like, messaging and, like, oh, that's great, like, we put something, like, we did a national anthem for week one of the NFL, you know, like, the black national anthem before the other national like, that's great. But again, signaling. What about action? You see, we could say, oh, we're for black lives, but if our actions don't back that up, then it's very different. We can say we love Jesus, but if our actions don't back that up, then it doesn't mean anything. And I think the church has been very good at Jesus signaling for a long time. I just I just took this, I just made this, Jesus signaling, all right? We, we, we've been very good at talking the talk, but when it comes to actually walking the walk, to putting it into practice, uh, we go, well, maybe that's for someone else. Or I'll eventually do it. I'm not quite ready to be the person of God he's called me to be. And so I want to challenge you right now. We, as the church, are experiencing and in this culture, a lot of bad news. I mean, it's bad news after bad news after bad news after bad I never, I mean, have you guys ever had this much bad news in six months? I mean, bad news just keeps coming. And I want to tell you, we don't just listen to bad news. We proclaim the good news. And for too long, I think we've got caught up in the bad news and we share the bad news and we retweet the bad news and we post the bad news on our Insta story, and we're like, look how bad it is. Look how bad. All I hear is all these Californians, I'm getting out of this state. Look how bad it is. All these government leaders, look how bad they are. Enough bad news. The church needs to stand with the good news. Who cares about all that peripheral stuff? At the end of the day, we're here to proclaim Christ and him crucified. We're here to proclaim that there is hope and a future if you come into relationship with the Savior that gave his life for you. Hallelujah. We're here to proclaim good news. Not bad news. My mic's acting up. You guys good? They're switching me. Hold on. Online. Hold on. That's right. I got cords hanging everywhere. Is this working? Devil's trying to stop us. Come on now. We see you, devil. You have no authority here. So, this last week, I walked in on my kids, or I was walking down the hall, and I heard my kids talking, and uh, Canaan was in the shower, I think it was Thursday evening, Canaan was in the shower, and Charlie was taking a poop right next to the shower, 
And so I don't know if your kids do this. Like, I would never do this. Like, that's a bad idea. Humid, steam, and poop. Like, not good. But when you're, when you're five and eight, you don't care, right? And so Kanan's in the shower. Charlie's sitting on the toilet, and they're talking. And I walk, I'm walking down the hall, and I hear Charlie say to Kanan, Kanan, how do I go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. And Kanan says, well, you just have to invite Jesus into your life, into your heart. And she's like, okay, well, how do I do that? So I'm like hiding around the corner listening. He's like, well, just repeat this after me. He says, dear Jesus. And she says, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Savior. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. He goes, see, Charlie? Now you're going to heaven. She goes, yes. I hear her just, yes. So I think Charlie's the first person to ever, ever get saved while taking a poop. It was amazing. <laughs> but I was listening to this, and obviously, like, it was a really cool moment for me to listen to my son lead my daughter in the sinner's prayer. I haven't led any of my kids to Jesus yet, and they're leading each other to Jesus. But I was thinking about it, man, like, that the atmosphere of our home has cultivated a Jesus centered home a christ-centered home and i think that there's a lot of people that have said well we're a christian family we're a christian family and i hear this talk we're a christian family yeah we're christians this is a christian home a christian family listen we don't need christian families we need christ-centered families because you can have the label of christian but jesus is still not at the center and what God needs in this moment and what this culture needs and the church needs is homes and people who put Jesus at the center of everything they do. He's the center of their home. He's the center of their jobs. He's the center of their relationships. He's the center of their friendships. He's the center of even their hobbies. That Jesus is at the center of it all. We don't need more Christian families. We need Christ-centered families. We don't need more Christians. We need Christ-centered people because the label means nothing if the actions don't point to Jesus being the focus of everything that we do. Fourth and finally, we're going to close. What leading looks like is we live to help others find their purpose. Now, let me just frame this because in verse 16, we see that the people, after Joshua says, you need to put the idols aside. He says, you need to get rid of the idols. And then he says, and honestly, it doesn't matter what you do. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people immediately respond and they say, far be it from us that we for should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You see, Joshua led the people into their purpose. He wouldn't have been calling them to put aside the idols if they didn't still have the idols. He wouldn't have been calling them to get rid of the other gods, the false gods, if they didn't still have the other gods. And so Joshua brings and calls them to their 
purpose, to fulfill and live out their purpose. But listen, you can't help others fulfill their purpose if you don't know yours. And Joshua knew his. And here's what happens. Identity leads to destiny. When you know your identity, you know the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. Joshua knew what his job was. He knew his identity. He said, I am the leader of the people. He said, I am the leader of this nation. I am the spiritual leader. I am the godly leader. I'm the physical leader. This is my identity. And my house and me, we will serve the Lord no matter what these crazy people do. And what does it do? It actually brings the people to their purpose too. Because when you see someone unabashedly, unashamedly, not caring about what anyone else is doing, fulfilling what God has called them to do, there is nothing more inspiring, is there? And that is what God is calling and asking of you. That in your family, in your relationships, in your home, in your friendships, in your jobs, that you would be so committed to Christ that when people look at you, they go, I don't know if I believe, but that is inspiring. I don't know if I believe, but there's something that they're doing that I could never do. They'll see your life and you'll bring them into their purpose, I believe. But what we have is casual Christians. What we have is one foot in, one foot out. And lukewarm people don't inspire anyone. Someone who kind of likes it and doesn't really like it, that doesn't inspire anyone. Who are we inspired by? We're inspired by the people that give it their all in whatever it is that they want to accomplish. Identity leads to destiny. So some of you today need to figure out your identity. And I think your identity has been Christian, but I'm asking you, is it Christ-centered? Your identity has been, oh, I, I mean, I like Jesus, I love Jesus, but is Jesus at the center of everything that you do and say? You see, today is Sunday. And my kids, they get excited every Sunday. It's Sunday, yeah, going to church. They were so pumped when we started coming back. Even a small group of people, they're just like, we're out of the house. We don't have to watch it online. They were pumped. But I believe my kids also understand that Sunday isn't just Jesus Day. Monday's Jesus Day. Tuesday's Jesus Day. Wednesday's Jesus Day. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday are Jesus Day. Why? Because Jesus is at the center of everything that we do in our family. And that is what God is asking of us. But I want to go back to the end of this. Because I read it at the beginning. And I wanted to challenge you with it here at the end. Joshua says to the people after they say, yeah, we're, we're in. We're going to put away the idols. He's like, no, you won't. And they're like, no, for real. Like, we're going to do it. We're in. He's like, okay. Here's what I want to say for, to you. If you forsake the Lord, serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm, consume you, having done you good. The people said to Joshua, no, again. No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. 
and they said, we are witnesses. Here's what I want to challenge you with. That you would be a witness to yourself. Because here's what I found. A lot of people come to me and they're like, Pastor, I need accountability. Can you help me be accountable? And I'm all for accountability and we need accountability in our life. But you want to know who's your greatest accountability? You. You are your own greatest accountability. I think sometimes in the, the temperature and the history of the church, we've set this expectation that we don't have to hold ourselves accountable. That we don't have to call ourselves to a higher standard. We just wait for the pastor or somebody to meet with me every single week to make sure that I don't sin, to make sure I'm doing the right thing, to make sure that I'm living according to God's standards, to make sure that I'm honoring him. But I want to be a witness to myself. You see, here's Caleb. Caleb's over here. But sometimes Caleb needs to talk to Caleb and be like, yo, you're better than that. Yo, God's called you to more than that. And Caleb's over here going, but I messed up. It was hard. I know it's hard. God's grace is on you. But guess what? Don't do it again. Change yourself. Better yourself. Grow yourself. Why? Because it's not just about you. It's about your church. It's about your wife. It's about your marriage. It's about Canaan. It's about Kai. It's about Charlie. I'm a witness to you in who you're called to be. And some of us are just over here going, I don't know. It's so hard. I clicked on it and I shouldn't have clicked on it. I looked at it. I shouldn't have looked at it. I text that person. I shouldn't have texted them. I'm, I, I gossip and I shouldn't have gossiped. And we need to witness to ourselves. Be like, it's all right. But it's time to change. Nothing is more powerful when someone calls you to a higher standard. When they say, there's more in you than what you're giving. There's more in you than what you're bringing. And some of you are waiting on someone else to do that. And God is saying, it's time to do it to yourself. You are witnesses to yourself. That's what Joshua said. He said, you're witnesses to yourself. So here's what I want to challenge us with. That we would be witnesses to ourselves to be the best husbands, the best wives, the best kids, the best friends. We would be the best workers. We would be the best follower of Jesus. We can be. Are you going to be perfect? No. So make sure you tell yourself, it's all right. God forgives you. There's grace on you. But you got more than that. His grace is there. He'll forgive you. But you don't have to do that again. You can conquer that sin. You can overcome that bondage. Why? Because Jesus' power is in you. It's time to witness to ourselves, church, to be who God's called us to be. Why? Because the family of God matters in this moment in our history more than ever. And what you do and who you are in the family of God matters more in this moment than ever. Let me pray over us, church. Lord, I pray right now that we would recognize who you called us to be. God, we would recognize the call you have on us. Lord, in this moment, may we witness to ourselves. There aren't always going to be other people there to hold us accountable. There isn't always going to be a sermon ready in that moment to help us. We may not have something 
a text come through in the exact moment we needed accountability. So Lord, may we be witnesses to ourselves. May we call ourselves to a higher standard. May we challenge ourselves to be all you called us to be. And may the church rise up to be what it needs to be in this moment. We matter now more than ever in this moment. God, may the church fulfill its purpose. In your name, Jesus, help us to be all in, to be Jesus-centered, Christ-centered families, parents, husbands, wives, college students, young adults, friends, co-workers. Help us to be who you want us to be. In your name. In your name, amen. Let me just pray. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, you've never given your life wholeheartedly to him, I want to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Just like Charlie did with Canaan, I want to ask you that you would repeat this prayer after me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus. Everybody here, help me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. I want to live for you with all that I am. I confess that you are the Savior, that you are my Lord. And give me all I need to follow you from this day forward. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Come on, make some noise in this house for all those online that just gave their lives to Jesus. This is the best decision you could ever make. If we want to connect with you, click the link below so we can just connect and help you grow in this faith journey. Church, thank you. We're praying for you. We're believing that we're going to lead spiritually in this moment the way God's called us to lead in all spheres and all avenues that God's placed us in. We're going to sing one last worship song. Would you worship with us before we go? God bless you guys. This word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.